0: welcome to (laughs) welcome jeopardy rip alex trebek
1: yeah
0: he died like a month and a half ago right
1: I don't know.
0: Because you don't care.
1: I do care.
0: I, oh my God, that makes me think about your intro (laughs) to theater speech. Hi, I'm Kara and I- Do
1: not, do not bring that up. I'm going to bring it up.
0: Everyone that knows you, you guys ready for this flashback? Hi, I'm Kara and I care a lot about theater. I wanted to And now you're in film.
1: (laughs) I know, so I lied.
0: So you lied through your teeth.
1: I'm still in theater. I'm you still are. in the theater sphere.
0: You are. You are. You are. Um, I, I, have
1: a, I have a feeling I'll circle back. I'll merge.
0: Of, oh, of course you will. You. You. Mm-hmm. It's like Hogwarts. Hogwarts is always there for those who want it to be. <laughs> That's not the quote.
1: Happy Christmas, Harry.
0: Happy Christmas. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's almost Christmas. Isn't that crazy? We're like two weeks out. Christmas, yes
1: christmas now, right? is two weeks away two i know weeks
0: away and you just texted me yesterday and was like i was baking with my mommy
1: <laughs> i did i be- this year i for the first time baked gingerbread from scritchity scratch Ooh, i don't
0: like gingerbread
1: it was it was surprisingly good i mean have you had like, i don't like gingerbread- the flavor oh but how you had gingerbread that's been baked or like did you like get it from like a coffee shop like got like a cookie and
0: like broke your
1: tooth (laughs)
0: oh oh my god no that sounds like a nightmare though a christmas nightmare no um why don't i like gingerbread i think one because i think of gingerbread houses which are cumbersome and they make me sad because they never come out like they do in the box (laughs) (laughs) so i'm a little bit scorned and then I i also tried to bite into that shit and it's hard you're not supposed to eat a gingerbread house let's be honest I don't think it's meant The ones to be- you bought
1: from the store? No. Yeah. The, the, ginger, the gingerbread cookies that I made yesterday... Were they squishy, soft? Squ- squishy squish.
0: Squishy love squish. It. Okay. That sounds yummy. <laughs> I love a squishy squish. They
1: were actually quite delicious. I mean, if do you like the spices that are like... I'm
0: like not really cinnamon, a cinnamon, ginger, nutmeg. nutmeg.
1: Okay, then you wouldn't like them. You're like, <laughs> give me chocolate or give me down. You,
0: you guys can't see me, but I'm like... Ooh, I'm just like all the mm. i'm furrowing, furrowing the brow i'm really yeah just his not lips are
1: pursed he's not he's giving us signals that he's not
0: yeah <laughs>
1: but anyway yes i've been trying to um as safely uh as possible um do a few holiday things um but um this year is a little weird it's different. but but i'm trying to my my saving graces are like cheesy christmas movies and like christmas music i've been watching and christmas
0: movies too
1: i watched a doozy the other day what was it it was like oh my gosh it was the actress from austin and ally i don't know her name i don't
0: know who that is
1: ally and Allie. okay um, ally
0: of austin and, Allie. and, and the great. guy
1: that played you know like in the later seasons of the wizards of waverly place when alex had that werewolf boyfriend oh
0: oh my god um Sulkin. Greg Sulkin. Greg
1: Sulkin. He's so
0: hot.
1: Yeah, it was the two of them and it was a continuation of like the Cinderella Story franchise, but it was Christmas Cinderella Story. Really? And it was a musical and it was like deliciously horrible.
0: (laughs) It was a musical?
1: It's on Netflix. Did he sing? I think it's it's called like, I don't know what it's called. It's like a Cinderella Story Christmas Wish or something.
0: Cinderella's Christmas Story
1: yeah it was like and she like works as like an elf at this like mall type place and she does she's so
0: downtrodden and
1: she's so downtrodden and really the only good thing about it is like greg sulkin's attractiveness
0: yeah he's so hot i remember yeah all these like different moments that i can reflect on from when i was younger that were like yeah austin you were gay because you were like i want to see this why do i see why do i want this boy to like go swimming so he'll like not have a shirt on (laughs) (gasps) <gasps> Any moment, Justin, like, um, Russo, played Thank by you. David Henry.
1: Thank um, you for the verification. Yes.
0: He had, like, two moments in the series. One, he was, like, wearing what looked like a spy vest, and his arms were just, like, out. And, like, even at, like, I don't even know how old he was back then, but either way, he was, like, b- banging and bod. And then there was the other moment <laughs> where on the, like, crossover episode with, like, the Zack and Cody on the ship. What was it called? Sweet Life on Deck?
1: Oh, On Deck with Hannah yeah. Montana. With Hannah yeah.
0: Montana. Um there was a moment where he like got into a pool and someone pranked him and like put like blue dye in the water so he got out and his body <gasps> yes. was like all blue. But you still like saw that rippin bod and I remember being like 12 and being like why do I want to lick him?
1: Yes. Anyway, <gasps> yeah. more <of> the story. <laughs> um if you want to watch uh, a trashy but um fun holly jolly movie i recommend yeah. i don't even know the name but it's on netflix just look for it. look yeah. for the former werewolf wizard yeah <laughs>
0: yeah played by greg sulkin it. who is hot and handsome just like who david henry
1: hot and handsome. but yes i've baked gingerbread. brad i've watched trashy movies i've listened to music.
0: yes okay so that means immediately i have to go into what are you a big fan of because is it what i think it is
1: Oh, I think we can all guess what I'm a big fan of this week.
0: Can we say it on three together? Because I just yeah. I, I, it's because I know exactly what it is. Just say anymore.
1: the name. Like just the name.
0: Yeah, it'll be three, two, one, blank. Okay.
1: Okay. Three.
0: Three, two, two one,
1: 1, evermore. evermore.
0: <laughs> that was way more complicated than that. Y'all, it would be.
1: guys, friends and acquaintances. Yeah, I
0: haven't talked to you about this yet. How yeah, Taylor go in.
1: Swift, who my love um yes. i love her She's, i support her yes. fully um she released her second surprise quarantine album
0: within only the calendar five, year of 2020
1: within the calendar year 2020 only five months after she blessed our ears with folklore she traveled further into the folklorian woods yes and i saw magic her whole press release for that us. was very
0: personal <laughs>
1: But I, oh my goodness, I love it so much. And I, I did, I like, I was so, such a big fan of folklore because we talked about on the show a lot that my musical taste is wide ranging, but my niche is like pop alternative. Like, mm-hmm. I love that blend. I love that kind of realm. And that was kind of what folklore was. It was her exploring the alternative genre, but her pop was still like a heavy there. element. Yeah. But in Evermore, she just like fully just dives into like the NPR indie alternative. She really genre. did.
0: I, I listened to a few of the tracks.
1: But her songwriting and lyrics and voice are still so like potent and bright. Oh, it's so, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. That
0: album is so singer songwriter. I'm saying this as hyperbole and as a joke, just so we're clear. But it, like, it's so singer songwriting, it could almost make you puke because it's just like, it's like in the afterglow.
1: It just really paints like of
0: our love. There was like snow. a full
1: ambiance. Like it's yes. all encompassing, which I love. I um I did stay up until midnight until it was released.
0: As I did as I, well.
1: I had to take a quick nap like an hour before. You it. took
0: a power nap so you could be fully <laughs> I aware. A power
1: because I I wanted to be fully aware, fully in it. Um Yeah,
0: what what did yeah. this look like for you? What was this setup?
1: This setup was.
0: You're like laying in bed. It wasn't anything special. Yeah,
1: it was like <laughs> in bed. Throw blanket, a, PJ's, a candle.
0: You didn't do a, a Taylor Swift. I didn't, like, but I had a, a salt
1: lamp, like one of those Himalayan salt lamps, because <laughs> my stepmom put it in my room, and I was like, "Thank you." Um, yeah. So yeah, it was. I read. I had just finished reading Little Women, and I was like in bed. <laughs> and i was ready to travel into evermore yeah it was that's delightful. a very
0: similar aesthetic in my opinion like it's very like, oh rustic, yeah for sure very simple. and i had like my
1: big headphones like my big over the ear headphones on your
0: earmuffs your your leia my earmuffs. your princess leia headphones
1: fully but boy oh boy i'm yeah. really enjoying well, it and g- speaking g- of christmas details. music say,
0: like what do you think about okay. the album
1: well to connect from before um there's a tr- the cool thing about it is that it's like a winter album. So there's like mention of the holidays and mention of snow, but it's not like ho ho ho, you know. Yeah, she um, has a
0: song called "Tis the Damn Season." Damn I Season, that which one a lot.
1: Love it. Love it. It reminded
0: one. me of a certain friend we have in common, but like
1: whatever. <laughs> she, I, she literally texted me.
0: <laughs> no, what, did she really? Wow. If okay, this doesn't matter, y'all. Person. We're sorry for talking behind your back. Anyway.
1: Anyway, um Tis the Damn season is great. Um, I also love Ivy, I love Champagne Problems, I love I Could Jam out to Nobody No Crime.
0: I haven't listened to that one. It's featuring Haim. Haim?
1: Haim? Yeah. Okay, it's Haim. Haim.
0: I'm mm-hmm. so good at that saying words. At
1: least like that's how I've heard it pronounced, like, on their Instagram. So I hope Yeah. <laughs> I hope they're saying it
0: correctly. Is the is Haim the one that's Sucker Punch?
1: No, that's like Synchret. I, oh, oh I don't Singred. I don't know
0: all these singer-songwriter girls. Do you also know who Phoebe Bridges is randomly? Yes, I do. Okay. Someone said Phoebe Taylor Swift or Phoebe Bridges is like Taylor Swift fans, but like girls that have crumbs in their bed.
1: That is a great way of describing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um anyway, Evermore. Love it. Um I really love all the songs, so I c- I couldn't really pick. But I'm just so far. I'm just digesting it. I'm just letting it yeah. wash over.
0: Okay, good. But
1: what are you a big fan of this week?
0: Um, well, before I really go into it, I just want to say that I did like the title track "Evermore" on "Evermore" with Bon Iver.
1: I think it's Bonnie Bear.
0: <gasps> Someone told me recently that it's Bonnie Vare too, and I was like, "Oh, is it you, little pretentious?" Person,
1: I only say that because when I watched the folklore Disney Plus documentary special, they said Bony Bear. That's how they said it.
0: Well, then it's Bony Bear. I'm a dummy. Anyway,
1: you're not a dummy. Um, you're a smarty. Thank
0: you. Yeah, I like that song. The opening, like piano melody, very pretty. Um, interesting stuff. Yeah, so I I like that song. I just wanted to connect with you on that level. Thank um, you. because I just <laughs> connections are so hard to find these days. I, Kara, am a big Mm. fan of the yet-to-be-released, but soon-to-be-coming... Should we say
1: it on 3? I don't know the name of it, though.
0: It's called... um, It's called, like... It's a a lyric from a song. It's from R.E.M. Which
1: song? It's from R.E.M.?
0: Yeah, it's... uh, Excuse me, um... It's called Excuse Me, I Love You. It's the Ariana Grande documentary. We're not doing it anymore, Kara.
1: <laughs> Sorry. I know I love <laughs> Ari, I do, but not as much. She's your tailor, you know? She's
0: my tailor, yeah. So, as I just said, um, the Ariana Grande Sweetener World Tour, a little extra behind-the-scenes documentary titled Excuse Me, I Love You is coming out on December 21st, and I am losing my marbles in preparation <laughs> for this event. I am so excited because... She's been saying for a long while that like a sweet like people have been saying a sweetener movie like ah is that gonna happen, and she's like maybe because she does a
1: sweetener the concert album
0: yes she does then that out. one's called K by I love you, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so or no it's called K by for now I just. Butchered that. Anyway.
1: You almost lost your Ari card. I know.
0: I almost lost my Ari card, but then I (laughs) stole it right back because guess what, bitch? You can't take it from me. So, um, yeah, that's coming out and I'm really excited, particularly for the the behind-the-scenes stuff. Also, I mean, I am excited for performances because I didn't get to go see that tour, sadly, due to unforeseen circumstances called I'm Poor. (laughs) And I am just... I'm really excited for it. I love her and I want to see... I don't know, kind of an inside look at what she was going through because it was a tumultuous year for her last year and I don't know if that's in like imposing on my part to be interested in that stuff, but I am. Um, well, I
1: think you're interested in it in like um, I connect with you on an emotional level and so like I care about you kind of way. Yeah. Not like tell me about your drama kind of way.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so in that sense, I'm I'm invested in seeing how this human has persevered. You know what I mean? How she yeah, because
1: it. it definitely informs and is evident in her art so you want to know like how that's connected and how she like um cathartically like created all that stuff yeah, yeah.
0: and it just it also looks super well done like the the filming of it looks awesome from the trailer the trailer was awesome yeah i get
1: to see the trailer i need to get on
0: yeah that. we'll watch the trailer soon we'll watch it right after this
1: <laughs> i'll force
0: <laughs> you i'll strap you to a chair um Anyway, yeah, so I'm super excited about that because I love her and I love a documentary about a thing I love. So, what's to be disliked? Oh, wait, nothing.
1: Nothing. Well, not a single damn uh, thing. Our our little fangirls are in full force this week.
0: Full um, fucking force.
1: Have been fed with content from our faves.
0: <laughs> yes, and speaking of our faves, we have one of our like age old faves on the episode. We're this talking
1: week. like. First day of freshman year of college. First day
0: of freshman year of college. I remember... First
1: class.
0: First class. First I remember class. seeing her um, just, like, kind of... I I think she arrived a little late, not to call you out, Britton, um, but I think she arrived <laughs> a little late, so she was, like, at, in like, her one In her silver of the, shoes. In her silver um, space shoes, and she kind of sat in the back because, you know, she arrived late, and so... <laughs> yeah just remember her being a kooky gal that is still just as kooky and awesome but as like yeah, and flourished. after that class
1: she and I went to get tea at dunkin Donuts together and we chatted about playwriting which was only like a far-off dream and idea then but boy oh boy has so much come of that since and we talk all about it um we're of course talking about britain Bonham, britain Bonham. our guest for this week an ex- amazing empathetic kind smart
0: so smart woman,
1: um working in theater and social work and um the yoga and mindfulness space all of it wrapped into one and we talk about her playwriting journey how she uses rhetoric um to impact her audience and help herself it's really i love this conversation yeah
0: she's a very holistic individual like in every like sector of her life and all the things she does she She finds a way to, like, center it. And I think that that's incredibly, um, you know, inspiring and impactful. It's just, I, Britton, I want to be more like you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. We love you, Britton. We're so proud and happy for you. And we're so excited that you gave us some time to delve into, like, even details that I didn't know about her playwriting process and um, all the allusions to, like, psychology and the female experience in her writing. It's really good stuff. So... Get ready. It's going to be a good episode. It's a
0: really good episode.
1: Yeah. So without further ado, please enjoy Miss
0: Britain Bottom.
1: Britain. Hi, Hi Brittain. <laughs> hey, thank you for having me. Of course. It's we're very so exciting. Ex- we're so excited. It's cool because <laughs> I know we were saying this before we started recording, but we haven't seen you in so long. To, to so-,
0: so freaking <laughs> long. To see you on this
1: little Zoom is, is great.
2: <laughs> it's so great to see you too. Honestly, every time I Zoom with people, I'm like brought back to pre-COVID life and the person that I was then. And I'm like, where is she? Because I miss her. Where? I don't know. No. I her. Yeah. <laughs> Me
0: too. I miss pre-COVID I Austin. I feel yeah,
1: <laughs> Like, there's been some growth for better, for worse. I don't know, but it's there.
0: <laughs> also some wilting. I'm some not going to so lie. Wilting. But maybe that's, but like in the, but in the grand scheme of things, maybe that's a chance for rebirth.
2: Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're very right. That's astute. That's just so too. We're, <laughs> we're in our our COVID
1: winters. We have been for a year, and now we're the spring is coming. Hopefully,
0: right. I know <laughs> the the um, vaccine was approved by the FDA. I know. I'm so ready. <laughs> so I know. I'm like shoot my ass up. I have my vein is ready. Did you did y'all just hear me tap my arm? That was me tapping it, getting it nice and juicy for yeah, them.
1: 2021. I I feel like I have hope. Things are looking up.
0: Yeah, I just want to go out and like sneeze on people again
1: (laughs) right? and it'd be okay, (laughs) you know, you don't want to pass on a common cold.
0: Oh, I, 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 in comparison to COVID, I'd rather a common cold. I'll take that common cold in an (laughs) instant.
1: Well, we know you and we love you and miss you, but our listeners do. do not. So if you would, please introduce yourself tell us a little bit about Britain and um, be sure to include your preferred pronoun.
2: Okay, my name is Britton Dion Bonham. I go by she, her pronouns. Um, right now, I am based in West Tennessee, in the Memphis area, but I come from South Florida and North Florida. I worked in theater and playwriting for most of my life, but in the past six months, I've been doing a lot of social work and yoga teaching. So I've broken into the fitness sector as well as social justice stuff, which is different, but very cool and yeah. it intersects. So yeah.
1: <laughs> Amazing. We're Yeah, we're so happy for you. We know that like yoga has been a passion of yours yeah. for a long time mm-hmm. um, as mm-hmm. well as social
0: justice. Oh my gosh. I remember when I would like, See, it was, like, almost in the beginning of, like, your yoga journey. You would just simply, like, be like, yeah, my stomach hurts. So I think I'm going to, like, lay down and just, like, let it it process while I lay here. And it was all about that mind-body connection and allowing your body to process (laughs) what it needs to process. Right. And I was always like, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm letting myself heal. Yeah,
2: my stomach definitely was my worst enemy.
0: (laughs) Wait, do you have IBS?
2: Oh, I, I did. Now I don't. So so it worked I got rid of it. Yeah. So do some yoga, Mr. Purged. I purged, purged. it out. Yeah. yeah. I don't
1: I I don't have IBS, but I do have digestion Bless. issues. So I
2: feel you. I feel like all yeah. young women are just like digestion pain all the time. we got a lot you know going I mean? on. Yeah.
1: The female body is a temple
2: and sometimes mm-hmm. she's under
0: construction.
2: Yeah yes it's the
0: anxiety of living in a world with men
2: right thank you austin you get it that you get it <laughs> i actually like all my
1: all my emotions i feel them in my stomach like all yeah across the board I it's, definitely, your, yeah.
0: it's, it's your definitely second connection. brain yeah Mm-hmm. my stomach issues fully come from me just like eating a full sleeve of Oreos and not, <laughs> all that sugar just doesn't process correctly and I've
2: seen you do it and I yell at you yeah. like, but it's all good <laughs> and I yell at you uh,
1: well we're gonna get into all of that but our first question is of just um, to, to get us where we are now we want to go back a little bit so mm-hmm. we know you we met you in the theater world so we wanted to just ask you um Tell us about, like, your theater journey. How did you discover your love of playwriting? Um, And, yeah, just take us back.
2: Wow. Okay. I will. So I grew up in a really artistic family. Um, My grandfather was a musician. My dad was artsy. I don't know what he was doing, but he was very artsy, and the arts were really encouraged in my house. Um, I was constantly surrounded by different types of artists and ventriloquists and things like that growing up. So, ventriloquist, okay. I was gonna say
0: ventriloquist, I've never heard of this. Oh,
2: yeah. Um, my great grandpa had all these marionette puppets and these like ventriloquist puppets. For those of you listening, I'm moving my hand on our zoom screen, yeah,
0: Yeah. so that you can truly (laughs) understand, so that we can get it right.
2: Um, but he. They always say he kind of went crazy, I'm not going to lie, but he did a lot of puppetry in New York City and stuff like that. He was talking
0: to himself. Yes,
2: but apparently it was really cool. He he would bring it to hospitals and stuff, so my aunt kind of took it up at one point, and every time she visited, we would work on it and stuff like that when I was really, really young. So I think that's what opened me to feeling this wave of creativity as a child. um, I definitely... Started singing and stuff like that, but I didn't get into theater really until high school And I got very into musical theater because of the musical background um, And just the freeing sense of like dancing on stage, even though I could not dance (laughs) At all Um, So when I came time to choose college, I really wanted to go straight into performance like a performance major But that was expensive, am I right? Yes. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I ended up getting a general degree in theater, which I'm so grateful for. It was such a blessing in disguise because I got to pursue so many different avenues, as you both know, mm-hmm. like costuming mm-hmm. and set design and all of this stuff. Um, And I found this real yeah. passion for just performance art and writing, just so much writing. So playwriting was where I really ended up, and I felt so much relief in that from life and the trauma that we all experience as young humans Mm -hmm. um and I just said this is it this is all I want to do for the rest of my life is share this with people this feeling that I get from creating theater and that's where I ended up Mm -hmm. so yeah
0: yeah and you've always been like a big reader I mean I've fully (laughs) visited your childhood bedroom (laughs) and there's lots of books in that room
2: oh yeah yeah um Definitely a big reader for my whole life. I was I was reading by the time I was two, which I really think I was just memorizing the words. I don't think I was actually reading. <laughs> but my mom will tell you that. Um, no, I, I got very into reading about psychology at a really early age. I was... Um, I don't know, just really interested in my psychology class in high school. And then from there, I got very obsessed with Sigmund Freud, Freud, Sigmund Freud.
0: (laughs) That old chap.
2: Yeah. And so um, that paired with my theater journey, too, because I loved all the the musicals about psychology, the newer ones that came out when I was graduating, like um, Next to Normal, even Fun Home had this deep, like, psychological Mm -hmm. theme, all of that stuff really opened me up to pursuing these, um, newer musicals that have been coming out, like Dear Evan Hansen, all that stuff. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that definitely intersected.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, so yeah, storytelling is definitely something, um, that's been really important to you all throughout your life, mm-hmm. beginning with stuff as as simple as opening up a book and reading it. <laughs> yes. Um, but like you're speaking, we're talking about like musical theater and that sort of thing. Um, but, like, tell I heard you say, um like devi- like devised works, that sort of thing, right. more avant-garde forms of theater, quote unquote, art, yeah. for those performance art um, styles that aren't usually in the mainstream. Um, how did you get into those? Have you always been interested in forms that are outside the norm? Like, what's that like?
2: Yeah, I think um, I think I always have been interested in it because of that passion that I had for storytelling, but I did not know that it was a community that there was a group of artists or just people who were interested in devising in their lives. And by devising, I mean, a collective of people coming together with nothing, um, nothing pre-planned and just sitting together and constructing something. It's it's very simple. But um, that just, and I'll come back to the word community again and again and again, but community is so cathartic. And I feel like, devising theater and creating stories together is the the truest way to find that sense of humanity for me at least um so I guess I came to it when I really discovered this sense of fearlessness in myself I finally let go of all of that coming of age stuff that we all go through and I just blossomed because I let go and I just started doing what I wanted, which might mean just screaming or just yelling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or coming yeah. together and dancing and, and drinking um pink water. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just Yeah,
0: pink eating pink <laughs> eating goop.
2: Eating goop. pink goop. <laughs> right, um, right. Which we're
1: referencing your original play, Caffeinated Women. Um <laughs> yes. which Austin and I saw and were blown away yes. by and we want to get into your process with that, but that kind of brings up for me something I've always admired in you is the themes and kind of genres that you gravitate towards, women's issues, psychology. Um, and women kind of dismantles uh, some of Sigmund Freud's theories and his relationship to Dory?
2: Sorry. Dora. Dora. Oh, Dora, yeah. Ooh,
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> which you can talk about. But why... Why do you think that playwriting and theater was best suited to allow you to explore those themes and why did you feel so strongly about writing about those things?
2: That's a good question. I'm going to have to think on that. I guess I guess writing is something that I've always been inclined toward because I was so afraid to speak for so long and writing it down on paper, I mean, no one can hear it. People have to read it at mm-hmm. first. Um so, I, I wrote a lot of essays and I wrote a lot of poetry. And then, um, in my theater major, I was very encouraged to write plays. There were a lot of student theater organizations that saw potential in me and helped me along the way into writing short plays. And then, eventually, I said, I don't want people to just read this anymore. I want people to hear it. I want people to hear my voice. And that was that fearlessness. So, I think that's what internally motivated me was coming out of this deep sense of fear, of childhood fear, and just... I don't know. I don't really know what it was, but it's gone now, so...
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if
2: that answers the question. But. No,
1: it does, because I think it's... It started off with something you were doing kind of for yourself, emotionally, cathartically, and then you're like, actually, going back to the community you were talking about before, other people should see this because they can relate um which i definitely did watching your show thank you yeah
2: (laughs)
0: um so something that i discovered after you discovered it was this um appreciation for like rhetorical understanding and how it can be utilized in artistry um it's not something that i feel like a lot of people talk about at least in terms of like explicitly defining it as rhetoric you know what i mean because mm-hmm. obviously in classes that we've taken it's all about like why are you doing this which is rhetoric in and of itself mm-hmm. um but you i remember when we were like me and you would discuss it uh, it's it's for us it's important to be cognizant of it and i just i want to know I just wanna hear you talk about like why you think it's important for us to be cognizant of it, um, how do you think other creatives could benefit from that practice, mm-hmm. that sort of thing.
2: Right, uh, so basically there's this whole educational theory of what rhetoric is, you learn about rhetoric, probably in high school and college, just in your gen ed classes. And most people learn about it as this is how humans are manipulated, with manipulation not necessarily being a bad thing. I know that word is definitely coded to be malicious, but um, in what we're taught, it's it's not. It's just how our brains work. And as I uh, learned more about it, I became like super aware of how Listening, seeing, hearing, and looking affected my life. And that is all part of rhetoric. It, rhetoric is, for me, just our sensory experience and how those things affect us and change us. And how, you know, I couldn't be holding my car keys that have a bunch of keychains on it. And a person walking on the street would say, like, oh, that's a Toyota key. But I say, like, this is my favorite keychain that my sister gave me when she was five. And it, means so much to me so that's how i'm rhetorically coding that item so i read this book called rhetorical listening and that's really when i started to blossom into this fearless person that i feel like i am now because i started listening to the things i was doing deeper and that brought me to listen to the things other people were doing deeper meaning i saw all the privileges that informed the things i had um. like the obvious things and the little things. And I saw what other people had and what other people didn't have. And it just inspired me to expose these things. And my favorite quote is, we have to make our socialization audible and then visible. It's an ethical imperative um, because it's really important to think about how different socializations define us and make us do the things we do. Like growing up, Um, in South Florida, I was in a very naive, vain space. I was very interested in things that now separating myself from that and removing that rhetorical veil of South Florida vanity, I see as naive. Um, I'm babbling now, but I'm sure you understand what I mean. No, for sure. And then
1: that informs how you consume pieces of art, how you consume everything. I mean, you're talking about Socially, just how we consume the world around us sensory-wise. But then to wield that as a tool, as a playwright, you have to think about not just how you yourself would feel when you saw your show, but how other people are, and then how you can use that to your advantage, like you said, manipulation, but not in a malicious way, just like I want the audience to be impacted by this in this way, so how can I use rhetoric to accomplish that?
2: Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I mean, really, that's all theater is, is stepping into another person's shoes. Because you're, as an audience member, you're being shown another person's view. Um, and as an actor, as a writer, as a technician, you're stepping into someone else's world. You have to. Mm-hmm. So it, it forces you to have this like cognitive flexibility to understand that there is more than one way to look at the world. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing I took away from it was like realizing that there's so many angles from which you can view the same issue, some that you would very much plainly expect and some that you just like are like come out of left field, but you realize that they're all so deeply important because it informs the way you interact with an audience or a demographic. And I think specifically, like Kara was saying, like you're saying, when it comes to theater being such a communal project in and of itself, you need to realize like all these viewpoints are being like brought together, and how to work through that like entirely can impact the way you're producing work. Exactly,
2: definitely. Yeah,
1: And also how like weaving different viewpoints into the same narrative to f- have different access points. Like I think of that when I think of your show, and Women, um, what a great segue, Kara. But, um, <laughs> but it's true because I mean, to me, that play offered so many different lenses through which the female experience, the female identifying experience could be viewed and even like me as a woman a young woman like I recognized some and then I didn't recognize others but it just opened my perspective so much especially of how like our like emotional and social structures are like the flipping the mean girl or flipping like how we interact with each other passive aggression or different like clinging on to different things um, and then how that affects you internally I know that um I'm obviously caffeine, coffee is a theme, but also just like what we put into our bodies, how we think about like what we put into our bodies and all that sort of thing. Um, I found that fascinating in your show. How did you go about like writing that, and did you have to put yourself into different female experiences, interview people? How did you go about that?
2: Uh, well, first of all, thank you for all those nice things. You're welcome. I
1: really enjoyed um, it,
2: and also. To expand upon how I wrote that show that did culminate different viewpoints and different takes on the female experience and just you know stereotypical female interactions. I first started by writing a ten-minute play that Kara um helped to direct. Actually, <laughs> uh, it was called Two Wheel Drive. I was a sophomore in college, and as you both know, I was going through it um in my life at that point. I was I just had this big feeling of confusion. I felt like I was on the brink of something that wasn't coming, which was heartbreaking every single day. Um, But at the same time, I was living it up. I was not caring about a lot of things. So I just kind of did whatever, uh, which in the end was pretty self-destructive, but at the time was a lot of fun. And I wanted to write about it because I was pretty aware of what was happening. But at the same time, it just felt like everything was so far away. So I wrote this piece where it was one woman represented by two actresses driving, because I think we find a lot of clarity when we drive at night. And she was driving and just talking to herself back and forth um, and reliving different interactions that she'd had with one man. It was very personal um, and it... It showed me that I never have to stick to things that have been laid out for me. Like I don't have to stick to the structures of plays. I don't have to follow this idea that a play has, you know, exposition, rising action, climax, falling action, and this happy little epilogue. Um, It can literally just be one second in a 10 minute play. It could be two hours in a 10 minute play. Um, Different things like that. So I was definitely exploring ways of storytelling with that. And then I just ran with that idea. Like, what if this woman had five actresses playing her? Um, and they all kind of took a life of their own. I just started writing, writing, writing. I was very inspired by writers like Claire Barron and um Dr. Krista Ratcliffe, who writes a lot about rhetoric and exposing the truth behind our actions, like I was saying before. And then one day I was like, what if the reason why all these rich white women are neurotic is because caffeine is heavily marketed toward us and it's full of drugs that make us like this. And um, that became the theme and I was able to connect it with my passion for Freud and just, it's like a love-hate thing I have for him. I think he made a lot of good headway for women but at what cost because he damaged a lot of young girls um so it kind of all culminated into one big pink mess where I had Mm -hmm. some men spitting out pink oatmeal onto women (laughs) and um yeah I I think it exposed uh or what I hoped to have exposed was an alternative narrative for the typical mean girl that you see Mm -hmm. um a mean girl who's been through so much manipulation in a bad way this time just you know what I'm saying like learning yeah learning different ways questioning her own reality which then like turns out
1: onto others yeah
0: yeah
2: right it's like here's this world I've been in my whole life where I've been told all I have to do is um be thin get good grades work a job, have a career, marry the perfect man, have two kids, and make it look super-duper easy. But I don't know where I'm going, but you know what I'm saying. No,
0: it's yeah. about breaking down expectations. Right. It's
2: like I don't have to fit into that narrative. What does this say about privilege at the same time? Like, what am I losing? What am I gaining by meeting these standards that I think I have to meet?
0: Yeah, Yeah, and I think going back to, like, thinking about avant-garde forms of theater, I think that makes immense sense that you're interested in these forms because it's all about taking these things that are very much the quote-unquote mainstream, which really just means cis, white, hetero, what -hmm. have you, and breaking it down. And you can't do that with a classic... Storytelling format, like it just won't work because you'll then once again be like going back into this is hetero white norm. It's very much a theatrical conversation.
2: Exactly. No, you're you're exactly right. Like you cannot use the traditional structures and formats to display these unconventional ideas. And even, even now in my life where I'm not currently working in theater, though I will definitely have to come back at some point, um, I th- have to use unconventional thinking every day because it's just, it's no longer acceptable to just do what the world has always done. You have to, especially in a time like this, you have to break it down and make your own way, it's never gonna work if you continue to take what's been fed to you. You have to cook it up yourself, you know what I'm saying? No,
0: for sure. (laughs) And I think that actually beautifully ties in for a second to the episode that we had with Lydia and like she talked about abolitionism and at its core, it's all about unthinking the world that you know. Mm -hmm. It's all about literally destroying it so that you can not feel like you're suffocating.
2: Yes, yeah that's great wording unthinking the world you know yeah and i think i think lydia is another great example of somebody who's using theater um in a similar way to me with with so much passion i i admire her so much and and i was so lucky to work with her on that one flow piece that we did it was a 10-minute play she wrote it it was beautiful Mm -hmm. and i love working with other women and women of color It's so great. I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway.
0: Yeah, you're a big fan. That's what this is all about. I'm a big fan of
2: Lydia Moss. (laughs) Oh, and I'm blushing now.
1: (laughs) She brings that out in us. She makes everybody blush. Right. Right. No, but I think that's also, too, like, we were so fortunate to be in that environment of other artists and to take chances like that and, and be able to, like, put all of our crazy ideas into fruition and to just experiment and try um I think that's like a really big part of it too and allowing yourself to like like Austin said like dismantle your reality and um like surround yourself with people who will let you do that and give you grace
2: with that yes oh yeah it's very important and that's I mean it's like it moves from devising a piece of theater to devising your life not to sound all hippy-dippy but but you're just yeah you build your own world and you just you don't give any Fs.
0: <laughs> no. Right. Not a single Not a
2: single F. F. F.
1: Skip it in the alphabet. Uh,
0: yeah, no, we get rid of it. Um, you you've mentioned, like, you know, two seconds ago that you are working in a sector that is outside of the arts right now, specifically um social work. Mm-hmm. Um social work with women, young women, um, social work with a variety of peoples. Um, what has that been like? Um What have you learned? How do you think it will inform you as an artist in the future? This is all very (laughs) new information for me and Kara.
2: Right, okay. Um, So right now I work for a nonprofit organization called Youth Villages. It is pretty much nationwide. Um, The goal of their organization is to support children and their families. And the type of children that we support are underprivileged kids who are at risk A lot of them are in DCS custody, which is Department of Children's Services. Um, They have tumultuous relationships with family. They're kind of on their own. They don't have any structure. They, I guess because of that, they end up with these deep behavioral differences. I like to say behavioral differences. Um,
0: No, that was a really good way of saying that. Yeah, because
2: it's like, imagine growing up where you have nobody telling you like hey this is how you make a bed or it's okay to overeat or it's okay to not want to eat or like you know what I mean like I- I'm specifically focusing on food behaviors because this week in the house it's been um interesting with somebody's birthday food. having cake yeah but anyway I-, I learn different things every single day about just humanity and as i said earlier i love the psychological component of this job um because i'm really fascinated by it but yeah so our company's goal is to put kids with families and give them that structure that you get just from being in a family unit um which kind of goes against a lot of the things that I thought before working in this sphere. I always was against the idea of the nuclear family. I thought that it was something that was really pushed on us as part of that rhetorical consumption that we needed to break down. But now I'm realizing the benefits of having a nuclear family and how it aids us um, in just becoming whole and feeling loved. And I think feeling loved is the biggest part of it all. So I work in the group homes which is for the kids who have been through the tougher facilities where they may have not been a good fit for a few different foster homes and at that point their caseworkers decide like they need to go through some intensive correctional therapy uh, for these actions. Um, So they go into a level four facility which is really similar to a juvenile detention But there is a huge focus on giving them the treatment and the medication that they need, which changes the game for them. Um, And once they show success with that kind of treatment, they can move into a lower restricted facility, which is a group home, which is where I work. Um, I started working in a girls group home, which I thought was going to be awesome for me. I thought I would love being around young women. And I did. It was really, really great to um, work with girls and get to talk to them about some of the experiences I had and try to help them discover their own power and give them that fearlessness that I always needed. Uh, And I found that I was really, really good at that type of coaching. And um, I was really passionate about it. I formed great relationships. But the company and I decided that I should move to a boys' group home. So now I'm with a younger group of boys because I was with 15 to 17 year old girls. And now I'm with 11 to 15 year old boys just exploring this other side. Um, And I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, It's really, really fun. Nothing is ever boring. There's not a dull moment, but um, it's hard. Like there are days where I just cry for them. Like, I cry and cry and cry because there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of sadness that I've never understood until now because now I'm basically their caretaker. I'm with them all day for four days a week, and um, you see it. You understand where it's coming from, and it's heartbreaking, Uh, and sometimes there is no no help nothing more that you can do which is it sucks but you just got to keep going and keep hoping that they will find a way and a lot of them do which is good yeah
0: (laughs) yeah that's amazing yeah no that's super impactful work and i am just I am so proud of you. <laughs> that is, Thank no, you. No, seriously, Truly. that is so that is so freaking awesome. Um, that's. I don't. I don't know. I mean, obviously, theater is like beautiful humanitarian work in and of itself in certain ways, but then you know, actually being with people and hearing their stories and listening, as you've been emphasizing, like how important listening is mm-hmm. in relation to helping others, I think it's just amazing that you're being given this opportunity as hard as it is at times, like you've said. Um, it's going to make you all the better person um, as we literally see right now, like it's just, it's so apparent. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it's awesome and I, I can only imagine what you'll be able to do with it in the future.
2: Thank you, yeah. yeah I definitely, I definitely do stress listening a lot. I have to take a lot of time to edify myself before I start my shift every day and just make sure like I forget about me and I forget about my struggles in the current day and I'm just there to be an ear for them cuz that's all all they need is just somebody to listen. And there are days when I can't. There are days when I'm not capable of doing it because I'm so caught up in myself and my own world. And then I feel all this guilt, and I just have to forgive myself. But I learn so much from them. I learn from them every single day, and I tell them that. And they don't believe me, but (laughs) I really do. And I get to use theater all the time with them. I was just
1: going to say, like, what we've been talking about, like, all the lessons we've learned about, really just about, like, humanity and, and how we communicate and relating to one another. I feel like, though this is different work i feel like the overlap must be great
2: (laughs) yes it's awesome because kids are so fascinated um to hear my stories about being in musicals and just being in the theater world i talk to them about different plays and the themes in different plays i've even been able to help one of them do monologues he wants to be an actor so we work on monologues and i'm writing plays with one of them i know (laughs) he loves to write plays so we've been working on that and it's it's really fun to help to help these kids break down their walls and say like no you don't need to have characters that make sense together like you can put batman with donald trump you can do it in a play if you want to go
0: off (laughs)
2: right yeah and um yeah so In his world batman is gonna kill mr trump i don't know what to say (laughs) we'll
0: see what we're figuring it out
2: figuring out the logistics (laughs) yes so um yeah it's it's really opening my mind to a future that's ahead of me where i can bring all these things together i see it as being very possible and i'm really lucky to like you said earlier have this community of people who believe in this idea too I'm so lucky to have my partner who's also an artist support me in this and believe that I can do this that theater can intersect with social work and just switching the thought processes of these kids and helping them reach like that mind body spirit connection I think it's Obviously, it won't work for everyone, but it's an avenue that definitely needs to be stressed, because it does work, and it's proven to work, and I want to be the person that puts it in their little brains, that they can yes. they well, can do it. Speaking
1: of the future, I was going to ask, um, a, a couple years ago, you started, well, two years ago, I don't know, some time ago, <laughs> some you founded um, a theater company called Strange Girls, mm-hmm. um, and... Your first show was Caffeinated Women, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm really interested now, you talking about what you want to do in your future and the intersection of theater and social work. Is there a future for Strange Girls? What are you thinking?
2: Yeah, so I've tried to do multiple things with it since graduating because it was something that was flourishing in undergrad for me. Um, I definitely have it always on the back burner. I'm working on book club ideas, ideas but with coronavirus and everything it's hard for me and my schedule to meet with other people right now as you both know Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yes (laughs) because my schedule is so crazy because I also teach yoga on the side and I'm um but with that being said I do work with my manager at my job to set goals to hopefully 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 one day open a strange girl's center in in one of these underprivileged areas to bring free theater and and vocal training and all this stuff to kids who would not have it otherwise i would love to partner with an organization like youth villages down the line and and just bring it in to group homes to foster homes to things like that so i do think there is a future for strange girls (laughs) a collective situation i don't know
0: (laughs) yeah i've I've recently found myself fascinated by the idea of specifically working with young men because I mean, you both know that I'm very um, impassioned by like issues of masculinity, um, men coming out of like literally millennia of patriarchy because they themselves are losing in this long, long battle. And so I want to, I don't know, start something in the same vein. Like I, I know theater can, can help. That's it's, like you said earlier, hippy dippy, but like, and we always say it buzzword buzz phrase, whatever you want to call it (laughs) on big fan, but storytelling y'all like, it's just, it's, there's something about it that allows us to, to bleed openly and get rid of shit and be it joy, anger, whatever. It's catharsis. It's catharsis. Um, yeah. And I just, I, I totally see what you mean when it comes to like social work and theater The crossover it's they they they're one in the same essentially so i don't see how you could go wrong really is what Mm -hmm. i'm getting at
2: right and and that's a perfect way to express it like bleeding out these things that you need to bleed out like people people have studied the stress of phonetics and just letting out different sounds out of your mouth and just like different words like obviously the biggest one is om in the yoga community like om it's supposed to encompass every single vowel sound you can make if you really draw out the o sound and it lets emotions out with it like emotions that you store in different parts of your body correlate with different phonetic sounds and um that's another reason why I think going back to the Greeks and all that Greek theater that catharsis was so important because you have these chants and all this stuff that completely intersects with yoga and the theories of, um, what's it called? Meditation. Oh, my God. <laughs> the theories of meditation and letting sounds out while you meditate. It's just like releasing gas out of a balloon. And you get to do that when you're writing a play and you have actors saying it. Not only are you the one letting it out, but you have a whole team of people letting out your happiness your pain your grief it's coming out of a bunch of people and that is what is so great about it
0: yeah and um it makes me think of oh
2: no and i was gonna say with the young men that i do work with now i think they would love you (laughs) i think they would need someone like you to mentor them um and I'm surprised by the lack of toxic masculinity that I've seen. Like they are very accepting to LGBTQ ideals and yeah. like they totally understand pronouns, even though some of them are 11, they get it. And I'm like, Oh my God, you're
0: Cause so, it's all, it's all learned behavior. That's exactly. Like, and this is like, it's what, when we say representation matters, which is another thing we say often because it does matter mm-hmm. um, where you see it really taking is in young people you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like that's the whole point you're not gonna necessarily reach someone that's 82 on their deathbed and is only thinking about how they're going to into hospice next week Mm -hmm. you know what I mean right this is going to take shape in younger people and that like you're saying they are open to it I'm not surprised by a child these days being like oh Austin's gay. Yeah, so are so many other people. By Austin, you're lame mm-hmm. for other reasons. Yes, but gay, be- being gay isn't <laughs> one, not of them. one of them.
1: Well, it goes back to like our episode with Ryan Moore talking about like gender identifications. Like he's talking about how like there's all these videos on the internet of like drag queens interacting with like little kids, and like once little kids are like, oh, like are you a boy and a girl? They're like, oh, like I'm both. They're like, okay. Like it like, mm-hmm. only takes like one sentence, and they're like cool it's like
0: they're down they're down <laughs> for it,
1: and like you said they just want somebody who's loving and open and empathetic to listen to them and if they connect with you then they don't really care
2: about anything else exactly it's it's just at at this point now like the world that i'm seeing coming to fruition is just seeing people for their hearts and for their minds and I don't know. It's it's really nice to see change happening when there, we've had four years of um, regression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it makes me, to like talk about the communal nature like for one more second, it just makes me think of, think of the studies where it's like um, they have an audience of people, you know, and they do like a heart like monitor mm-hmm. on like everyone, everyone's heart rate and it's like in unison and it's, insane like all these like ways a community just like clicks like yeah community like you said from mm-hmm. the beginning that we like you're gonna say it a lot but now we're saying it a bunch because yeah. it's just it makes so much sense mm-hmm. and it's it's powerful powerful shit.
2: yes uh, yes sir yes, it is.
1: <laughs> and i know austin said it a little bit before but we can't stress enough just how happy and proud we are for you i mean we've Thank witnessed you. a, a tiny fraction a tiny fraction of your artistic journey and also like self journey. And I'm just mm-hmm. amazed. It's so, I'm, I see so much beauty in your life and in what you're putting into the world. And I'm just so happy about it. So thank you for yeah. sharing that with us on this podcast. Yeah. You've
0: always been, a, you've always been a light, but now you're just like, you're like, you're seeing it. And yeah, I, think that that's, I guess and you're I that's right. awesome. Yeah. And like
1: wielding it, like to hear you say like fearless so much in this episode, just like, makes our heart sing. So we've we have known it, but now you're like, yeah, I know it too.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I really think it's the kids who have helped me find confidence. Really. It's all things. I need to be nicer to them. Jeez. Please, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we love it. Well, we just gushed about why we're a big fan of you. But in big fan tradition, at the end of every interview, biggest we want to ask... What are you a big fan of at the moment? Anything, everything, just what are you loving at the moment?
2: Oh, good question. I am a big fan of Ayurveda um right now. Ayurvedic techniques. It go it's the sister science of yoga. It's all about what you put in your body affects what you put out of your body. Um going back to that those sounds that I was talking about. So I really follow an Ayurvedic diet. I practice Kriya yoga, which means good deeds of yoga. Um, So I would recommend some books that I love. Uh, Ayurveda for Idiots by... Oh Deadass. Oh my God, I can't think of her name, but I know her
0: name. (laughs) Is it from that series? Sahara Rose. Sahara Rose. Oh, okay. And
2: then um, another book is Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza is all about meditation and um, how it doesn't have to be tied to any religion or spiritual practices to incorporate it into your life and achieve the supernatural. That's that's what I'm a big fan of right now. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. I love
0: it. Oh no, yeah, I, I, I'm really into that too. And I, I love the whole idea of the, what you're putting into your body. And like, does that, to ask a question about it, does that, you know, is that exclusively end at, like, food? Or is it, like, literally down to, like, what you're consuming in terms of, like, art? Oh, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Oh,
2: yeah. It's everything you consume with your eyes, ears, feeling, taste, all of it, smells. Um, So I try to fill my house with sattvic things, and sattva means, like... Happiness and light, so I always want to have flowers. I thought you said
0: sapphic, and I was like, lesbian power. Well,
2: that too. (laughs) Um, But a lot of plants and just making sure that everything you have has a positive life force energy. So having plants in your house ups your life force energy. Um, Eating a plant-based meal will up your life force energy because it's all alive. You're putting living things in your body. Having positive conversations, watching... Edifying television. I I mean I love TV. I used to not like it, and now I'm starting to really like it. So I'm making sure that I keep myself in check and I stop watching crap, Um, (laughs) i.e. Seth MacFarlane, (laughs) and uh, (laughs) I start watching documentaries like a classy lady, right?
1: (laughs) Like a classy
2: lady. Yes. Yeah. But no. Any recommendations of Mm -hmm. what you've
1: been watching lately?
2: I just started watching The Vow, which is all about the Nixium cult that was just, like, dismantled. Um, A cult. Yeah, they really manipulated a lot of uh, famous women into joining a sex cult under the guise that they were doing, like, self-betterment and meditative practices. It's on HBO. It's a very good docuseries. I'm on episode three. (laughs)
1: Love it. We were
0: yeah. talking. That's intense. That's right. Intense. Love, it. <laughs> Love
2: it. You know, just you girly know, things. Just girly <laughs> things.
1: Sex cults. Um. Big fan. A big, I'm big <laughs> fan. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so, so, so much for being yes, on the Yes, thank
0: you, Britton, for giving us your time, your energy, your love, your light, all the good stuff. Your Columbia jacket. Yes. Columbia
2: jacket. <laughs> it's actually a pullover, excuse me. Whoa. Oh. A quarter zip? A <laughs> uh, quarter zip. Is it a snap? It's, it is a snap. I wish it That's was a zip. I, I used to have a zip one, but R.I.P. Well,
0: sucks to suck. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Big Fan.
1: If you like what you heard, feel free to subscribe wherever you may listen to your podcasts.
0: And we'd love to hear from you on social. You can reach us on our Instagram at bigfanpod underscore.
1: Don't forget the underscore.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. See See you again again soon. soon.